Welcome everybody to Learn with Lowell. I'm your host, Lowell, uh, serial entrepreneur, problem solver, and startup advisor, and your host for the show, obviously. Every week we talk to scientists, artists, uh, teachers, startup founders, and today we're joined with Karel Karatov. Karatov? I'm so sorry, I have the last name. <laughs> I, I looked up how to say your first name, but the last name, I could not find, like, no, there was no, like, translate how to say, can you say it? I'm sorry. Uh, Korotayev. Korotayev? Oh, that's a cool yeah. name. Uh, Co-founder and CEO of Purple Gaze, an AI platform for collecting data from the brain using eye movements. He is based in Utrecht, and if you, I'm not allowed to say this, I will. you will not hear this part, And which is the first person to be in that area that was going to be on the show. Just remember to subscribe, like, and all that type of stuff. Tell the Google guys that this is stuff worth seeing. Uh, Krill, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for inviting me. Yes. And is your, your, just as a quick thing on your last name, does it mean anything? Is it like got a cool history like Tolstoy or something? Like Tolstoy has like some actual interesting meanings to it. I'm reading War and Peace. That's the only reason why I ask. Uh, no, uh, no. Uh, I mean, yeah, I I don't know the history of it, but uh, hmm. uh, like the uh, root uh, uh, is uh, like from Slavic, uh, something like to do like shortening or something. So you're like. Uh... A short like shortening so like like smith means like i used to work with like tools and stuff but shortening's like I, the only thing i can think about with shortening is uh deleting things and the bread i don't know what else shortening like thompson for instance is son of tom like so sometimes some somewhere in my past there was a guy named tom who's like you're my son mm. <laughs> so i'm gonna call you thompson like the norse names are quite boring but uh karatov i don't know i was wondering if like there's some like cool history in the names yeah probably these but unfortunately i'm not aware of it <laughs> yeah, no worries. So for Purple Gaze, uh, can you describe in layman terms what is what is it about and how it works to track eye movement and collect data from the brain? I assume like it's a simile like this somehow. Well, I won't guess. How, how does it work in, in layman's terms? Yeah, so the eyes are an observable extension of the brain. And by precisely following where the person is looking, for example, on the computer screen, we can uh, reverse engineer what's happening in the brain and obtain deep insights into human cognition. Uh, so we have uh, we have built uh, our uh, Foxy eye movement uh, based platform uh, that can uh, track eye movements data at uh, 60, 600, 600 uh, hertz uh, sampling frequency. Um, so. We have this uh, camera camera based uh, system. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, uh, the uh, it, it is a USB device. So like uh, uh, it's connected to it's connected to the computer screen, and uh, the uh, participants uh, participants uh, see some uh stimuli like uh videos or images uh or like websites or anything and uh, during uh uh during during that uh, our uh foxy system monitors their eye movements in uh, in real time and then uh it outputs like the uh gaze coordinates uh, x y as uh, uh as, as as uh compared to uh where the person was looking uh, and what was uh, uh, what was playing at this moment uh, on the screen. Do you do you track the Z coordinate? 
I don't know, it's depending on uh, your Cartesian, but where it gets closer and further away, depending on where the eye is looking, or is it just like the the, the main uh, a Cartesian system? Yeah, like uh, on, the, on the X and Y. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so there's no like Z where it comes like uh, nearer or further in terms of eye tracking? Uh, depending on uh, on the, so yeah, it's always like application specific. So, uh, mm -hmm. uh, so, so we 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 do, we do uh, our our current system is like screen based uh, system. So mm -hmm. uh, I think it doesn't make a lot of sense to to do ha to have like a gaze coordinate for the Z dimension. But if you're doing yeah. uh, like in a natural uh, natural environment with like uh, eye tracking glasses, for example, then it may it may may make more sense to do that. Ah, yeah, it makes sense. If you're just looking at a computer screen, there, there's really like everyone has like a standard Z in terms of like how far away they are. Ideally, unless there, there's some people who are like an inch away and then burn their their retinas out. The what? So you have the physical system that you just showed us for people who are just listening. In. It it's kind of like a medical device with a some buttons and a really cool looking camera. How was how was that component developed? Was it did you use three D printing? Is that a prototype? Like how just in terms of the physical device, which I from startups that I've been on who are when they do more you know hardware tech, it's it's much more laborious to do that type of thing. So I'm curious, how was that designed? How did you do that? Yeah, first a little disclaimer: it's not yet a medical device. So currently, yeah. it's uh, used for uh, research purposes in uh, mm -hmm. neuroscience, uh, experimental psychology, and vision. Um, so then how, uh, how we get around to building this stuff. Uh, so actually, uh, our very first prototype was, uh, wasn't a 3D printed enclosure. So, uh, but then we figured out that, uh, the, uh, internals, uh, could, uh, get uh, pretty hot, uh, when they are like, uh, uh performing at the maximum, uh, capacity. And uh, so then we decided to move uh, to the like aluminum uh, cutting. So it's it's mm. uh, the enclosure is made of aluminum, which is kind of a natural uh, heat sink. Yeah. So yeah. And so it's um, so just a normal CNC then machine to mill it, and then you put the electronics in there and the the um, the lenses to do the recording, and then it digitally probably goes to like the cloud. So from USB powering it. To the device itself being machined and, and built together then like a cloud component to make sense of the data but that's roughly the pipeline of how it's used uh no so okay mm, unlike uh most uh, other tracking systems that are kind of just like camera plus uh infrared uh, uh mm -hmm. infra infrared uh, uh illuminators and like uh, uh USB cable, uh, ours is actually a computational device. So uh, hmm. maybe you've noticed that uh, the uh, footprint is a bit uh, larger than uh, um, yeah uh, than eye trackers that you may may seen or used for like uh, marketing or like UX uh, research, for example. Uh, so the reason for that is that uh, uh, yeah, it's actually a computer. So uh, hmm. We have our uh, eye tracking system uh, on chip running inside inside the device, and uh, our uh, uh, core uh, algorithms are uh, deployed deployed uh, on, on that system on chip. Oh, that's cool! So, 
That's interesting. I was thinking it was just, yeah, like you were saying, right? Um, the way other people do it is that it's like a camera and you're just like linking up to the cloud somewhere that is doing the computation for you, but it's all on chip. It's all on, uh, I, I don't know if like premises is the same concept. Um, I know servers, if it's on prem, you just have servers nearby, but like, I don't embedded, know. On chip, embedded I guess. system is, uh, I think, uh, uh, the right terminology here. Hmm. Embedded system. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, is there, are there any trade-offs in doing an, an embedded system versus something that just connect, like connects to, I think Tesla has an embedded system too, but I think they also have a, like a cloud or they're just using, um, servers to do the research of the machine learning and AI, which then goes into the embedded systems. I'm not uh, entirely sure how traditional AI and machine learning gets uh, applied in these ways in embedded systems. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly, uh, how we do it. So uh, there is a there is a trade off, of course. So the uh, first the the upside is uh, that uh, uh, there is a, there is no latency. Uh, so mm. uh, basically, like uh, if you talk about like high end uh, eye tracking systems for uh, like research grade ones that are like costs from uh, thirty thousand US and are like. Uh, bulky machines that use like multiple uh, computers uh, they use like one computer for uh uh for the for for the uh processing of the data and another one for like uh showing the for for showing the uh experiment to the to, to the participant so basically we don't need a second computer because our device is a computer itself mm uh but there is a trade-off uh you're right so because uh we can't uh we can't put like super uh um we can put a lot of computational power inside this uh, inside this aluminum box i mean we probably could do that but we also wanted to be accessible for uh for the most uh, research uh, cases mm -hmm. uh so um uh, so that's why uh we have uh, limited computer uh, compute resources so in, in terms of like machine learning uh, algorithms uh, so uh how you described it with tesla is uh, is very is very accurate so you use like uh mm, so so you, you can use like uh, cloud or like uh on-prem uh gpus for uh for training models and then you basically deploy them on the uh, deploy the tr trained models on the uh on the embedded, embedded system hmm. okay that makes a lot of sense then um what other standards are there standards of uh of output or ability to read that you need to meet to be a good enough medical device that people want to use are there standards that when you talk to researchers when you talk to people doing that that type of stuff that they let you know like what level of uh data collection and the fidelity of data that they're looking for so that you can then build accordingly and if so then like what what are the levels that people look for yeah great question so uh the mm, so the the choice of like uh, eye tracking system it would be always application specific. So mm -hmm. if we are talking about uh, applications that uh, uh, so 
if you take for example like uh, marketing or something like uh if 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 the data is uh, lower quality and uh, there is like uh, some measurement error this likely uh or there is like i know several pixels uh, difference uh, uh or or visual degrees it it won't actually uh cause some uh, some kind of disaster or uh, like uh, uh probably no one would ever notice that and uh, they'll be fine uh, but when we talk about like uh, either uh, uh, neuroscience research or even uh, uh, medical applications, of course there is a higher penalty for the for the measurement error, and so the accuracy becomes uh, more important. So the uh, yeah the two uh, the two most important parameters uh, for uh, like these more uh, demanding uh, applications are uh sampling frequency mm, so basically um uh so 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 basically like um kind of sampling frequency is uh mm, like it establishes uh, establishes the uh depth of the of the data that you can extract from the system so uh if you're if you're if you're like uh uh tracking eye movements at uh like uh 30 60 like 100 uh, uh frames per second uh in that case uh your output is uh your output would be limited to fixation data so uh mm-hmm. where basically uh, uh fixations are like uh uh type of uh, type of eye movements uh when we are looking at a particular uh, at the particular object so and when we're looking at the particular object in space we're uh, so for example uh like i'm looking at this uh, bottle right now uh so we tend to uh focus uh on this object with uh, uh our uh, fovea which is an area at the center of the retina which has a, a highest uh, density of uh, photoreceptors and therefore highest uh, spatial resolution and uh, uh, so so these fixations uh, are uh, are important if you only like uh, want to understand where the person was looking but if you want to like get insights uh, on, into into the brain in that in that case uh that wouldn't provide you much uh, much of an insight hmm. so uh the other type of uh, of uh, eye movements is uh, uh is happen happens when we uh move our attention uh from like one point of interest so for example i was looking i was looking at the bottle and uh yeah uh now I, I, now i'm looking at uh, the keyboard mm-hmm. so when i make this shift from uh, from uh, one object to to another uh i make a rapid eye movement and uh, this uh, uh this rapid eye movements are are called circuits so uh 
uh, why 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 this is uh, important? Um, so, for example, uh, we have a blind spot in uh, in each of our eyes, but the uh, picture of the of the world that we see is always complete. Mm -hmm. There are no gaps in in our vision. So, how is it possible? Uh, so it's because we are always making this uh, 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 rapid uh, saccadic eye movements, and uh, we are not like seeing the world uh, as it is. Uh, instead, we are actively constructing the representation of the world around us. Yeah, it's um, if anyone's ever seen a pigeon as they're walking. Now, this may be like a dumb version of thinking about this. Ever seen a pigeon when it's walking? It like moves its head like all the time. Or if it's walking straight, it'll kind of like if you watch its head, the head just kind of like like the body moves, but the head kind of jumps. And so it's kind of like uh, the way I think about it. It's like they're taking pictures and overlapping them to kind of get a sense of what's around them. It's not you're not getting like a like a they don't see everything 100 percent of the time. They're doing all these different physiological things. To get a, a sense of their environment so they don't get eaten by stuff but uh for for us because we're hunters like we're our, our stuff is very much geared towards like tracking and knowing things that are around us um but i always i always if you ever like just watch a pigeon or a bird move around you you'll see especially pigeons uh i've seen i saw this guy who was trying to shoot a pigeon and i'm sorry everybody who's trying to shoot a pigeon but he uh he was aiming for the head and the pigeon would was doing the thing and it would see the bullet coming mm -hmm. and and dodge but if you aim for the body it would not be able to dodge but like because the the head is just always kind of moving to get a sense their spatial uh, orientation uh you know for those blind spots because imagine having two ability to see on the side of your head like you're you're missing a lot of your world if you're just sitting straight it's kind of the same thing with humans so basically it sounds like the in this case the the circades are our way of doing a similar thing all without moving our head but moving the eyes to get around that blind spot yeah we're uh so it's because that we evolved uh, as, uh, as predators mm -hmm. so like uh uh yeah that's uh, that's why we need like a uh, uh faster uh, faster uh, faster uh, like uh, uh reaction and kind of yeah it's uh, it's uh uh can be yeah, traced back to 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 the hunters, uh, I believe. I think the <clears throat> we're also really great at throwing rocks. Apparently, that's like a species thing that we can do. Like any 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 other species that has some level of projectile or, or tosses things, the we're actually really good at figuring out where things are going and then throwing a rock to like hit that thing as it's as it's moving around the environment, mm. which is kind of like other animals really can't do that, mm. which is interesting. Like they can, they can run at something and bite it as it's moving. They'll like be able to see you're going this way, thirty miles an hour. So they're gonna like meet you off at the pass. Versus like sometimes people like would think run where it was versus where the hockey puck is going. There's a lot of uh, uh humans are kind of weird. Animals are kind of interesting. But I, I think I was reading that like we're one of the few species that actually can like throw a rock or throw something and actually hit where we want it to hit uh, hmm. uniformly. Yeah. Like I didn't know that, but. Uh... I think like the prediction of, uh, of an object in, in the space is uh, also non-trivial task for us humans, unless we're like uh, particularly trained in it. For example, like if you're like playing uh, tennis or, or table tennis, like uh, when uh, yeah. 
So uh, if, if if you try to like uh, hit the, hit the ball when it's uh, like already already uh, landed uh, nearby you, it would be already too late. So you kind of need to predict uh, the uh, uh, where it would uh, land the next moment from uh, from when you originally looked at it. Yeah, and unless we're like uh, we can get her, we get better and better in it if we, if we practice more and more, uh, but uh, we're not. It's not an inborn like uh, ability. Uh, but I guess to some extent, uh, our inborn ability is better than those of the other uh, animal uh, kingdom. Uh, yeah, in, in, yeah. In, yeah. I think of it like the Petruvian man in terms of like what are the average abilities that people can roughly get if they put any amount of effort into it and so like i think there's another species other than like sentience and you know math and stuff the uh i think if you just physically one of our other abilities is like we don't really tire out so we can there's actually competitions where people will just like walk a deer down to like capture a deer or a horse and stuff like eventually an animal will tire where like humans can just keep going now if you say that nowadays if anyone listening you're like would you can you imagine walking 20 miles straight to like catch a deer you're like well i, I don't know if i could do a mile <laughs> you know or a couple miles like so but like the average like the capacity of our species is like that that most people could reach that if they worked at it so it's kind of like what you're saying as well um there are people that are like like the serena williams that are just like lightning at you know knowing where everything is but like the average person could probably like hit it back and forth with a little bit of work which would then be better than any other species but in terms of um in terms of I'm sure we have other physical things that are neat, but in terms of the, the the physical thing that you're making, so you have all the way down from the UI UX in terms of simplicity uh, of uh, what you need to be doing versus the complex, you know, understanding what the brain's up to, and that's all on one device. Like how to, it feels like like the complex thing would be much more expensive to build versus the UI UX thing. Um, is it all one device, or is it like a series of devices that achieves each use case? Mm, yeah, there uh, there are different layers. Uh, mm. So uh, we have like a platform solution. So mm. uh, like at the uh, at, at at the most uh, uh, downward layer, we have uh, like uh, a hardware which is an enabler for uh, for the. Uh, Algorithms to to work at uh, the capacity that uh, that we need. Uh, so then we have uh, uh, like uh, core algorithms that uh, just uh, uh, that are responsible for uh, high speed and uh, high uh, uh, precision uh, eye tracking. And then on top of that uh, uh, layer, we have applications. Hmm. Okay. So it, you're able to do all that. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty really crazy. Be, it's like uh, one, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot really of versatility. Because, uh, yeah, uh, they are, yeah. Other companies are mostly either building the hardware or they or, or they building like uh, applications for other platforms, and we are like only ones uh, that are like insane enough uh, to uh, to to like uh, uh, manage it all with a pretty small team. What I'm a big fan of vertical integration, which is what we're talking. 
talking about the uh are there places where you could have done horizontal integration and still achieve the same level of success in terms of what you were building or is it just easier to do it all in-house like what what was the what was the the logic of doing vertical i I just naturally go towards vertical because then you control more of the variables but i mean there's also like maybe people are just really great at their thing and then you partner with them uh what 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 was the trade-off that what was what was the threshold that made you want to keep everything in-house versus having parts that were built by other people or um just being a layer that would exist on other people's products well um yeah uh we are building everything in the house but we haven't started from scratch so mm. uh there were already some uh, open source uh, algorithms uh, on top oh. of uh, which we could uh, we could start building uh and the hardware uh, hardware part we also don't build for, from 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 last scratch we don't build like camera sensors or, or yeah. something like that uh we just uh assemble uh of the shelf components in a in a unique way kind of yeah. um even that's pretty unique so even just uh, as the assemblage is pretty unique in terms of um like most people i don't know to, for a long time listeners you'll have heard other people talk about the way they do it but like we're we're implying here and just just state it most companies that you hear out there are just one layer of what um you just stated most people are like i'm gonna build an application that exists on other things i'm gonna build a hardware which then other people can exist on or have this one feature to do the to the whole uh gamut there's many benefits to for it uh, you know downsides maybe cost or whatever um so this is actually quite uh novel in terms of my experience like most people will choose i'm gonna build the hardware and then like allow like plug into an existing software that'll like make sense of the 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 noise or or the pictures or they'll build the algorithm that'll exist into a platform and then but you're you're kind of you're doing the whole thing which is pretty cool so i guess i'm trying to understand the uh what what made you want to do all of it versus just a component of it yeah so uh basically there weren't uh uh so my uh my former uh, my former supervisor uh, Joe McInnes, when I, I studied uh, I studied cognitive science, uh, so he uh, is an expert in uh, in visual attention and uh, uh, and AI and uh, like eye tracking was uh, is his favorite uh, like uh, research instrument, and uh, we were uh, we were like. Uh, yeah, working working in the lab and uh, uh, basically, uh, no, we, we didn't have uh, any uh, any any system that would uh, actually like uh, satisfy satisfy our needs. Uh, yeah, so uh, so like first we uh, we just wanted to like. Uh, uh, build a build a like a research tool that we could uh, could use ourselves and uh uh yeah it's 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 required some uh some uh, hardware uh hardware work uh, and i guess the all other uh layers uh, mm, they also like came naturally since we kind of uh understand the hardware we know what kind of uh algorithms would be the best to uh 
to couple with this uh, with this hardware so it didn't make sense to like only assemble the hardware but delegate the uh the core algorithms to uh to to someone else and uh then since we also have uh uh neuroscience uh, background and uh some experience with, with research we also understood what uh, uh understood what kind of uh ux uh components uh, would be uh uh, would be would be the best for the for the research uh, use cases hmm. is it is it theoretically possible with your device to kind of if you were looking at someone as they look at those eye charts this is a bit of a jump just for people listening in the, i just thought of it um if you were looking at one of those eye charts could you could you detect the the their ability to see what they were saying like if they could see it well or not um, with your, I feel like you probably could if you if you had like the eye chart and then like if they were scrunching down to try and see the information versus being able to see it naturally, you might be able to guess it that way. But is it possible to like walk into a room, sit down, have your device looking at my eyes, and then look at a chart and then scan it up and down? And you'd be able to know what prescription I need to have glasses. Hmm. Uh. So would be uh. Yeah, I think not like uh, the uh, visual acuity, mm. uh, but it would be certainly possible to trace back. Like, uh, so there is some uh, there is a, a tool called uh, uh, opacity maps or, or shadow maps in in, in eye tracking research, and basically uh, it's a visualization of uh, uh, so. Of, of of the uh, area uh, where where you were uh, looking at when you're like seeing a, a movie or something so like all all the uh, regions of the screen would be like blacked out and you would have like uh, this kind of uh, a radius uh, uh, which 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 shows where uh, how did you view this particular like image or or video so other people could uh, kind of uh, replay that uh, from uh, from your perspective. Hmm. That's interesting. And then for for you personally, is there a, is there an application or a use case or um, is there a research? Is there an aspect of what your product and service are going to be able to do that you're most excited to see happen uh, in terms of? Um, what is mo like in terms of most likely it'll happen or some things that you like are just kind of dreaming like I'll be like once it's built and it's out there what you like oh if that were to happen it'd be kind of wild yeah so uh, so we started with research because uh, yeah first of all we believe that uh, there can't be any significant innovation uh, without research and mm -hmm. uh, uh, since uh, uh, and uh and yeah, basically, since we uh, since we knew the customer problem and uh, and the uh, um, yeah, what's uh, uh, we had a, we had a pretty good initial idea of uh, what would be the good uh, uh, good product for for the research use cases, uh, but the um, uh, the downward layers of of our system. Uh, 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 which are like the hardware and the core core algorithms they are like generic so uh 
they're just enable a collection of high quality eye movements data. So um, you can do a lot of uh, a lot of other things to that as well. Um, and so, mm, so like uh, uh, Lowell, how many times uh, a year do you go to a dentist to check up on your uh, teeth health? Like once a year. I don't know if I'm supposed to do it more than that. Uh, yeah, most people most people do that uh, once or once or twice what uh, once or twice a year, uh, and uh, while we are doing doing that uh, for for our teeth health, we're uh, for some reason that I'm uh, I'm missing. Uh, we're not doing this the same for like our brain health, uh, yeah. which is like kind of our most important organ. Uh, so we're not doing that until something is not working properly. And if something is not working properly, uh, in most cases, it's already too late to uh, to significantly improve the outcome. Yeah. So the one of the use cases that I'm particularly excited about is uh, like a, a brain screening tool to uh, to do like a mass screening for of healthy individuals for. Uh, neurological or or mental conditions, mm. because uh, there is a, a large base of of, of evidence that uh, abnormalities in uh, in eye movements data are uh, signal can signal of of brain related disorders. So, uh, for example, uh, if you uh, if you show like uh, um so yeah it's a uh, uh schizophrenia is a, like a psychiatric disorder but uh still uh also uh, applicable here so if you're uh if you're showing schizophrenia patients and uh, moving objects like a tennis ball for example and you ask him to uh follow the path of of the ball uh uh there would because because of the like uh, hallucinations and uh, delusions that uh, uh he experiences uh there would be like gaps in this uh, in this kind of path while with the unaffected participants you would see like almost a perfect uh, kind of line following following the ball when you like mm. visualize the gaze data that's interesting is uh would you would you would you know like the severity of those uh, of the schizophrenia or or would you just know like there's something like blanket umbrella there's something schizophrenia schizophrenic going on like what mm. what level of granularity can you get yeah so unlike uh, neurodegenerative disorders for example in uh usually most people get better over time with in uh when they have schizophrenia and not worse but it's important to uh to detect it early because uh, uh, when people just uh, uh, just have schizophrenia, there is a high risk of suicide. Yeah. Uh, but uh, to to answer your question, uh, yes. So uh, you can uh, not only you can uh, detect uh, br uh, brain related disorders, but you can also uh, monitor. Uh, you can also objectively monitor. Uh, either uh treatment effectiveness or the progression of the disorder over time 
So then the so the the best way to get the benefit of your technology. So every year, you know, I see a doctor get the physical, blood drawn, stuff like that. There would almost be like a a part of the family office or wherever I go where they just like have your technology and they run my run me through a bunch of, you know, tests real quick. It's like, hey, here's like just follow this ball or whatever. And they'd be able to get a sense of where I am mentally uh, as well. That does involve like a CT scan or like, well, I guess eventually you could go to CT scan. Something significant is being shown. But uh, that'd be a, a natural prog- uh, process that exists in a regular checkout that people would get to make sure that they're healthy. And if something's off, you know, like uh, last year, my doctor was like, well, your cholesterol is starting to get high. You know, lose weight or you're taking a pill. And I was like, okay. <laughs> but, you know, so uh, so versus like, if you don't do those things, then you have a heart attack or something and then, you know, uh, you can die. So the idea here that I think many people- Yeah, in, in the Netherlands, if you go, uh, sorry. If, if you go, no, go to ahead. the if you go to the GP, uh, uh, he will like uh, prescribe you like paracetamol if you were like having a brain tumor uh, or something. <laughs> like in, in any case, uh, the paracetamol uh, is, 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 the, is the way to go. What's a paracetamol? Uh, paracetamol? Uh, yeah, what's that? It's 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 like a um, antibiotic, I think. Uh, An antibiotic? Uh, an anabolic? Um, like like the uh, you feel uh, less uh, less less pain, kind of. Okay, uh, so it's like uh like an anabolic st- a steroid, like uh, the type to like get rid of head, head headaches? I'm used to drugs in America that sound like you could be, they could be marketed, which is something that the Americans allow, which the EU does not. So that might be a difference here. Where yours are uh, like probably more technically Panad- accurate. Panadol? You know Panadol or Silent? No, I never heard this. Hmm. Um, yeah, it probably yeah, comes down basic, to like messaging. Basically, basically, it's a it's a it's a pain painkiller. Oh yeah, yeah. Hmm. But yeah, so yeah, I didn't so know. You I see... didn't know you have uh, you have another brand in the US. Makes sense. Yeah, well, uh, America, you're allowed uh, a component of pharma is spent on marketing. Where I think in the EU, where you're at, the you're not allowed. If you make the drug, you're not allowed to market it directly to consumers like me. Where America were pretty, pretty chill about that, which is not good. Actually, I'm not a fan of that. But I think that mm. might be the difference. They might, uh, you know, they might change uh, the name of it to make it sound nicer. Versus, you know, if they, if only doctors were seeing it, then they'd probably be able to be more technical. Yeah, I heard that uh, that in the in the in the U.S. like uh, the healthcare system is like uh, operates. Uh, in the same kind of way as any other business while in europe it's more like uh, uh it's, it's more like centrally regulated yeah there there are regulations but america america's weird america's a weird place i think that like the insurance companies get a lot of benefit from regulation they also have things they need to worry about um i mean it's in some ways it's getting better i think at one point in time insurance had lifetime caps so if you know if you're like 32 and you've had to take insulin your whole life and it's cost like 1.2 million dollars total in their coverage they'd kick you off the plan and you'd have to like get a, a new premium with a, a higher one with a higher whatever it's like i hate that shit. it's like you, you're an insurance you just pay for things i don't know but uh america's a weird place we're uh 
I feel like we're quite backwards in terms of how our insurance and health healthcare mm. is. Like the in America, America, you can decide: are you going to pay this bill? Are you going to be homeless? Or are you going to die? It, like, are, there's so many people that won't go to make sure they're okay just because it'll cost too much, mm. and they, you know, they can't afford it. They can't afford the time off and all these other things. I think that's all pretty shitty. Yeah, and it makes sucks. me sad inside. Yeah. So, but anyway, so ideally, <laughs> I actually got sad just now. But the, uh, for for your product, an ideal scenario, you'd be a part of that healthcare checkup, uh, making sure where you're at, how things are going, and then so that people can intervene early. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's the idea. Uh, though, yeah, we still have to uh, to make our system more uh, more easy to use, so it can be directly uh, used by uh, yeah either neurologists or even uh, even GPs or nurses. Yeah, what would uh, what steps remain to make it something that a, a nurse could do? Just like run someone through as they're there. Basically, bit. Different so approach to uh, to building the product. So, um, so currently we have a kind of very open system, and uh, that's because uh, the uh, researchers are more like technical folks, and uh, they uh, love to uh, tinker with the parameters and customize a lot of. Uh, things for uh, their uh, for their own research uh while uh doctors do not typically don't have uh, much time on this and uh if uh, if there is uh mm, if there is uh, something uh, that uh, uh that is uh mm, uh, if there's something for which we, they need to do more work, this would yeah. never be adopted uh, uh, by them. So, uh, yeah, you would never get into the into the, into, into like clinics or, or hospitals. Mm, so, so for uh, for for medical professionals, we are building more like a closed system where they can. Uh, just like press a button and have uh, mm, uh, press a button to to start collecting the data and then like basically uh, after the 15 uh, minutes uh, they would have like an uh, interactive dashboard where they can explore the biomarker data to uh, to make a bet better uh, informed decision mm -hmm. that makes sense that it uh could you just have one standardized product that then allows customization so you don't have to have like two different products for researchers and clinicians? Could you just have a standardized product that uh, people can still customize to their interest after that? So then and so I'm thinking from your point of view, it's just to make it simple so you don't have to have like multiple SKUs. Yeah, so... Uh... So, so the the hardware is the same, and the the algorithms that make performance are the same. So um, they're just like different like user interfaces, and uh, uh, medical product also like, requires uh, like uh, <clears throat> uh, ML classification layer to uh, uh, to um, to distinguish between uh, between uh, neurotypical and neurodivergent uh, populations, uh, yeah. 
All right. So a, a part of the a part of the platform is also analyzing and understanding the data. It's not just so you're also going to have some level of uh, understanding, kind of like um, interpretation of what the data is to help the clinician or researchers understand what they're seeing faster. Uh, I think not for researchers, but for clinicians, yes. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I think I think most researchers would uh, prefer to come to the conclusions by by themselves. Uh, but uh, uh, of course, uh, if we uh, we can we can we can just. Uh, outputs uh, only the like uh uh raw uh raw statistics without uh educating uh doctors what's what's it about so yeah. some level of interpretation uh is needed yeah yeah then uh in terms of time how long do you think it'll be before you have something like that that'll affect clinicians versus researchers I, it sounds like researchers would be an easier bar to hit because they're a little bit more open and there's less of a bar in terms of making it usable and easier as clinicians would be. So uh, uh, for, for for the research purposes, our product is already on the market and used uh, uh, by uh, uh, research university labs across uh, Europe and the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for the for the medical products, uh, we are uh, yeah looking for uh, for pilots with the with the hospitals and uh, 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 pharma companies as well. So uh, basically, yeah, the the path to market is uh, uh, is longer because there is a regulatory pathway uh, that we need to that we need to overcome. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, we can uh, we can ma- uh, we already make revenues from the research market, and we can uh, reinvest them to uh, uh, to uh, complete the complete the um, product for the medical professionals. Is there a rough time horizon to get it that you'd expect for the, the medical professionals? Like we're talking like a couple of years, a year, a decade. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, so, so it, it, it would take us a year to, uh, to, 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 to certify it as a medical, as a medical device. That's not too bad. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like sometimes it takes like, you know, several years to get things into a certain stage. Yeah. I mean, uh, as compared to like invasive devices or uh, something like that yeah. or, 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 uh, or or drugs, yeah, that's that's much faster uh, path, yeah. Yeah, are are you? Um, do you have the team you need? Do you have the funding you need? Is there anything missing, just in terms of uh, that those components? Yeah, so uh, maybe to to talk about uh, to talk a bit about how uh, how the uh, work is currently being structured and our team. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> my co-founder is uh, 
And CTO, he's an uh, expert in uh, high-performance computing and an uh, ex-NVIDIA engineer. Uh, then we have, uh, so we have uh, like um, our engineering or uh, our engineering team that is uh, uh, building the hardware and uh, some, uh, and uh, uh, building the, the core uh, eye tracking algorithms. Then we have a, a neuroscience uh, team that is uh, uh, looking for abnormalities in the in the eye movements data and uh, searching for uh, uh, for novel biomarkers and uh, perform uh, experiments and collect data. Uh, so uh, yeah, we have uh, we have. Uh, uh, we have a hardware, uh, we're like multinational company. So we have a hardware uh, hardware lab in uh, uh, Lausanne in Switzerland where our devices are being assembled. And then we have uh, uh, like a neuroscience uh, lab here in, uh, in Utrecht. So actually they, uh, uh, our our Utrecht lab is uh, located in a uh, historical uh, building, which is like an abandoned uh, prison. Hmm. So it was it was actually like uh, functioning as a prison uh, until two thousand fourteen, and so the very room where uh, from where I'm talking to you right now used to be a prison cell. So uh, I thought that was a weird window. <laughs> There's a window on uh, to his back right, and I, I thought that was a weird window this whole time. I was like, "That's a weird looking window." <laughs> I just didn't want to comment on it to, in case you lived in like a you know a cellar or something. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the our 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 Utrecht lab has like the, the code name uh, the cell, um, mm -hmm. and yeah, so. So yeah, that's uh, that's a bit about uh, about our uh, uh, team uh, team composition. So we have uh, 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 computer scientists and uh, and uh, uh, electronics engineers and uh, neuroscientists, uh, and uh, we even have one rocket scientist uh, <laughs> in our team. So uh, yeah, we use a lot of. Uh, multidisciplinary uh, collaboration to get uh, novel insights uh, into into the field uh being an eye tracking expert is not a requirement to to join out to join our team uh actually yeah uh i think yeah at least half of our team are didn't have any prior uh, background in in night tracking so uh kind of uh, we're trying to also uh not be too much bounded by like the uh, prior uh, prior research and like dogmas of the of the, of the field. Uh, so kind of new unconventional uh, ideas could be could be born from uh, from uh, taken from taken idea taken ideas from from other fields or like cross merging different uh, fields together. And then, uh, is there? I think you're you're looking for a couple of people to join, right? You're you're on the lookout for some. I think it's like C plus plus embedded 
systems person. I don't know. I think there's you're looking for someone to join your team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're looking. Uh, yeah, we're looking for for a uh, for a dedicated uh, for a dedicated hardware person. Uh, um yeah and uh, and then yeah for uh for for embedded uh, software uh, software engineer as well sweet is there uh what when it um it's kind of so is there is there actual ai in terms of like a chat gpt type thing being developed or is it more like machine learning and then understanding what is being seen in terms of uh the, the platform sometimes like you know people put like ai on things but then is it actual artificial intelligence or is it just like machine learning understanding the computation of what it's seen yeah i i, I love that uh, uh that question and how you frame it uh yeah uh the uh the term ai is so overhyped uh and mm -hmm. uh yeah uh most in, in in most cases, then people say AI. Then they they mean machine learning. I, I completely agree mm -hmm. with you. Um, so for us, they're like, um, um, so we are currently uh, currently using uh, um, uh, we're currently using ML algorithms uh, to uh, to improve the uh, accuracy uh, to to. Uh, uh, for for improving like uh, the core uh, eye tracking algorithms themselves, uh, and then we are planning to uh, to use uh, ML for uh, uh, yeah for 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 um, uh, for for finding the abnormalities in the in the in the moments data. Okay, what uh, just talking about machine learning AI on a, a high level, what do you think about ChatGPT and all this like stuff that's been coming out? I like so, ChatGPT. It's actually quite nice. It's, like, um, it's a fun thing. Uh, what are you using it for? Uh, I used to learn, actually, yeah. Like there are, uh, there are times where it's like, if I'm, so when, I, when you Google something like how to cook a fish, right? The, how good is that information? Versus if I put in ChatGPT, I, I say, you know, imagine you're Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> you're teaching me how to cook a fish. <laughs> like, you know, give me the steps and the links to do it. It gives me all the stuff, including the citations. And uh, it's nice. Like, mm. there's a little bit more of like, a, I have a sense of what I'm looking for. But then it's also like Gordon Ramsay saying the fish is fucking raw, which is kind of fun, too. There's a little bit of like serendipity. It's like, if I want to, if I want to like learn I'm like, oh, I'm kind of curious about this subject. Can you like walk? Can you like break down the the segments that I would need to learn, and then I can look through those different segments. Like, it's really cool in that way. Like, instead instead of like reading like a Wikipedia article and like spending like half an afternoon to understand a new field, I can have like the gist of a new field to then spend like an hour and understand it much quicker. My, I use it to learn much more efficiently. Is my my main use case. What about you? Yeah, awesome. I. Uh... Yeah, I use it. I use it to uh, to uh, to write copies and edit emails mostly. I would say. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, but in terms in terms of like, uh, what does it uh, what does it mean uh, uh, for 
for for society and uh, like how we're currently experiencing some uh, tremendous uh, shift uh, i would say that i'm somewhere in between like uh uh uh, perhaps uh, like uh, more skeptical uh, folks as like Jan de Kuhn, for example, who uh, who say uh, that uh, it's that that's like mm, large language models are like nowhere near the like AGI or like uh, artificial general intelligence. Uh, and uh, like the uh, Microsoft Fox, who like already announced that it's <laughs> that uh, uh, that it is the AGI. So, uh, but I'm 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 slowly updating my views to to being like uh, less uh, less skeptical because uh, I was skeptical before even that thing happened, and now I need I need to update my views uh, uh, more to more to the. Uh, uh side of things where like uh, uh where it starts to change how the society operates despite that it's not uh, an artificial general intelligence yet it, it it seems like it's a really really um well i think one thing that it's doing which i think is kind of funny is like it's giving bing it's giving bing a, like an actual like you know if someone actually want to use bing now where it used to just like if I was looking for something like I was googling something, it's googling. I'm googling it or giggling it, depending on my mood. But like Bing, you can have a conversation with the dialogue, so it makes Bing pretty mm -hmm. use, uh, usable. Like Microsoft is doing a lot of stuff like that. Where uh, like there's GitHub Copilot, and I've been mm -hmm. experimenting with that. I'm like somewhat disappointed. It saves me like I don't know, like a couple of minutes to like write out mm -hmm. the code. But like I, I look forward to the the type where it's like integrated in where I can have like a conversation with my code at the same time. That's mm. kind of, will be kind of fun. Uh, but like, it, I think it's neat where like Bing is like this thing that most people would never use. And now because of that conversational ability to look things up and Google and have like some type of filter to it, I think that's pretty cool. That's more of like a joke though. I, I think that it's just funny that Bing has like a resurgence with this technology. It's like, like Google has comp competition now. Yeah. I haven't I haven't tried to the I haven't tried Bing yet to be honest. Oh, it's fun to play with. I, I still would like it's fun. It's fun to use, but the uh, the combination of the uh, Chat GPT and Google is fine. It's just an extra you know tab in my life, and then usually uh, Chat GPT can you can have like links clicking away. Uh, related to Chat GPT and your own technology, what do you think about the fact that uh, like the the data to generate the models like yours or others? um is, is it being generated by people and and yet you know maybe it'll like supplant people in some way like take their jobs or whatever uh do people have any right to privacy or any ownership of that data like what do you think about the fact that like uh, the trained data for ChatGPT, for instance you know is like the internet and stuff which is people and yet the people aren't people don't get like a percentage yeah uh I th uh, yeah, I think that uh, mm, yeah, uh, yeah. First, OpenAI should be named like closed AI. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there the uh, or was OpenAI? Yeah, maybe it was like the OpenAI on the on the day one, but uh, uh, when they become a for profit company, uh, yeah, it's. I think not really ethical to uh, 
if, if, if you're like train models on the whole internet, uh, maybe you should make them open source. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I was, there was either an interview that Elon Musk did or someone was talking about this where that's what pissed Elon Musk off is that when he came in and gave the, like one of the initial hundred million, he wanted things to be open, but then they kept mm-hmm. closing, closing, closing. And it was like, well, that's not what this is about. And then he sold his shares. I don't, that's like yeah. rumor mill. I don't know to the extent that's real. I think, I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, uh, kind of, uh, yeah. So, uh, Sam Altman had, uh, had a different, uh, vision, more, uh, more business oriented guy. Yeah. Uh, I would think before, uh, open AI, he did uh, Y Combinator. Yeah. Like the VC side of things. So the should be a fun time. Anyone out there looking to use these tools uh, and use them? Uh, comment below and let us know how you use them because uh, it's an evolving field. I think that's that's one of the coolest things. The, I haven't checked out ChatGPT4 though because I'm not paying for that. I'm, I'm cheap. I just use the free, you know, thing. Though I have been uh, I have been wondering how if you use their their API in conjunction with something like Twitter, if you could r- really fine tune the news that you get to be what you want it to be, and then mm-hmm. translate what's happening into a language that you're comfortable with. I, I've been thinking about calling it like your news. Where uh, you give like it's you, you give it the parameters of your life. Like, I'm a single mother who's a teacher at this one school in this one county, and it tells you like all the legislation or news that's affecting you in your life, and then it goes all the mm. way up to the things that you care about. Um, I don't know. It's something I think about because uh, there's a lot of stuff I I, I learn about news, and some of the news is like, why would I give a shit about this? I don't care about some. No offense to people who like sports, I just don't care about sports. But I get a lot of like sports news. Hmm. In, in in your feed. Yeah, for Twitter, mm. it's like I keep I keep ignoring it, and it keeps coming back. Twitter's great for news. It, well, I talk, I follow a lot of scientists. Mm-hmm. Hey, where do you go to learn when you're learning something new? When you're looking at uh, language models or anything like that, where do where do you go to learn? Or languages in general? That's one of the things we're gonna talk about. How, how do you go to? What do you do? What do you do to learn new things? Um, yeah, I think um, like. Uh, so one of the one of the places to uh, to get like an initial idea to like for uh, more exploration uh, uh, versus uh, exploitation uh, would be YouTube videos, I think. Mm. Uh, so they're uh, they're cool. Uh, uh, cool YouTube. Uh, bloggers uh bloggers who uh uh who who talk about uh, who talk about uh, uh for uh for 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 machine learning for example there is uh, uh Yannick uh, Kilcher uh uh so uh, the guy the guy who I mean, is always with the with the sunglasses uh no i i don't know him so i'm going to look him up after this i was like learning new things yeah, so I, I can't picture him. So he 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 does like great uh, reviews on on the recent ML ML papers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty yeah. cool. Mm. I, I I'd recommend that. Um, where else do I uh, do I find out about stuff? Mm. YouTube is pretty good for serendipity. It kind of like the algo is pretty keyed in to get you to stay there and be happy. Um, 
yeah so and uh, and uh, yeah about uh, about learning languages also uh i uh i follow a bunch of uh like uh this uh youtube uh, polyglots uh kind of uh people and uh yeah i'm uh i'm fascinated by by this and uh i would uh also love to get to a conversational level on on multiple languages are there what all languages do you know currently other than english um yeah um i know russian then uh a bit of uh dutch uh but it's like uh completely useless uh because everyone in the netherlands speaks really good english like literally everyone yeah i hear they're tall too uh the males uh males are the uh are the uh so in terms of males the netherlands is the tallest uh tallest country and mm. uh i think uh for women they're like uh the tallest uh, uh females are in the latvia or i think in latvia for some for some reason i don't know why yeah we gotta we gotta find a way to get latvian women to netherlands men and just like <laughs> we'll make a giant that doesn't work let's not do that but uh there's you know don't look into what that would look like but um all right so those are some of the places you, you check out what advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs or researchers uh alternatively if there's maybe that's uh too specific or too broad uh people people who are 25 to 35 who are in their first profession but are looking around and are thinking like, I don't know if I want this. Like, what advice would you give to people who are first getting out there or who are looking to build their own thing? Hmm. If they're like, uh, do they already have, uh, I think there is, yeah. Uh, we need to specify if and they have already have a concept of what uh, of what they want to build or they're looking for uh or, or they're looking for an idea or if they already have uh, uh have an idea and uh they want to find out is if, if that is the thing they want to pursue yeah that's a, that's a good delineation uh i'm gonna take a stab and let's go with uh they have an idea and they want to know what to do with it because and if people are in a different camp comment below and i'll ask the next person about how to help you with that but i think i think i don't know is, is that the hardest part i don't know which what's the hardest part to find the thing you want to work on to build the thing you want to work on or to translate what you want to work on uh so whichever one you feel like you have the best answer to i guess that's a, that's a really good question uh I don't know how it would break down in terms of the people listening in. I think you 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 if you answered each of those, you'd probably hit someone. You you probably hit someone, but then you know we have time. Yeah. So um, I think uh, for uh, for uh, for entrepreneurs, at least there exists uh, uh, exists pretty. Uh, Uh, the, the the buff is easy to understand if uh, uh, if the idea is worth uh, pursuing. Basically, uh, 
yeah so as uh, um, uh basically they should uh, should test if there if uh uh there is enough uh, people that uh, want this thing that uh in order for it to be a commercially uh viable enterprise uh yeah and uh, there are mm, there are ways to do that. Uh, start with the uh, customer interviews, uh, uh, customer development. Uh, uh, there is a uh, there is a nice book called uh, Mom's Test. Uh, if you if you if you want if you want to uh, dig deeper in that, um, yeah. Uh, then try to build the try to build the first uh, the first prototype as uh, as fast as you can with uh, like uh, uh, sticks and bricks and uh, anything you can you can find. Uh, so it's uh, uh, so it kind of uh, uh, resembles. Uh, uh, at least a tiny way the thing you want to uh, uh you want to to, to uh develop uh, and have uh mm, have uh, uh people from your uh target uh, target audience to get enhanced to the people from your target audience uh so of course for for people building uh like uh uh web tools and like hardware things this is uh <laughs> it's completely different paths like for yeah uh people building hardware uh probably uh yeah they couldn't just put a landing on a, on the website in a, in a week like and uh get a traffic uh, to to this to, the, to this uh, to this uh, uh website and uh, like uh validate uh, their their idea in a couple of weeks uh so for uh yeah mm. i don't know if there is a shortcut uh <laughs> we yeah. had to we had to build our, our our product for years before we could show it to anyone <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I think the i think my uh my grandfather had a, a saying where if you have a short path in front of you versus like if you're at a fork in the road and there's a long path but there's a short path you should always pick the long path because you'll most likely have to take it anyway so why not plan for it and then to be able to count for the different variables mm. versus people who take shortcuts you end up like going over that land quite often so you end up doing more work more energy then you just kind of get irritated so it's kind of an anti-growth hacking uh i think yeah <laughs> yeah i'm i i'm more i generally think like pick the thing that's more more frustrating or like it's kind of like the eat the frog method you know do like the worst thing first and uh then you can grant, gain strength for it versus if you do the easy stuff first like it's burning your mental energy to make decisions. Like you only have so much mental energy in a day. But uh, what are what are some mm. advice that you've gotten that uh, it's like just terrible? Like you know, over your years as entrepreneur, what's like terrible advice? And uh, so that you know, people listening can you know avoid it. Mm. Great question. Uh, yeah, I need to chew a bit, uh, chew on it or for a bit, uh, but. Uh, uh, yeah, something that that you've mentioned. It's um, mm, this is really interesting. I mean, uh, it's there. It's an always also been a dilemma for me if I should uh, learn things that uh, 
are naturally hard for me or if I should uh, focus on uh, things that come uh, come more naturally to me and uh, like yeah. uh, developing uh, in those in those areas uh, yeah I, I think like but also if uh, uh, so so the it, it, the frog is means like that you do the most uh, unpleasant things first? Yeah. So like when you get up in the morning, some people will take like easy wins where it's like, oh, I'm going to write an email or whatever. What is mm -hmm. easy for you? Eating the frog is like, if you know you have a big, you know, uh, you know, if you're like coding a block of thing and you and it's been like pissing you off for three days because you can't figure it out, like you start there even though you know it sucks. Because then if you're through that, if you can get through that, then the rest of the easy stuff is, is easier. So it's, you just pick the most frustrating hard difficult thing to do that'll move the needle forward in terms of your vision for yourself or your company first okay so i think um i'm following this approach but with uh, some exceptions so uh yeah i usually try to do the most uh, uh maybe not the difficult one uh, the most the most like uh, important one i guess uh mm -hmm. the thing that i uh allocate the the, the most value to yeah. It is not necessarily the most difficult one, uh, but usually, usually there is a no, uh, there is there is a correlation. Um, yeah. But uh, sometimes I would uh, switch to something that I could do fast, uh, that I could implement fast, so uh, so I can get the kind of. Uh, dopamine uh, release uh, for the completeness of the of some task that would give me more energy to get back to the to the harder task yeah i can see that being like kind of like a wave through your day like you do the hard stuff it drains you so then you do some of these easy wins that then it gives you the strength to do it again so you can versus just like gritting your teeth and forcing it through anyone who's ever been running if you try to try to run as hard as you can and grit your teeth and do it the most ex ex extreme way possible you'll actually run less efficiently and effectively and you'll be slow like you won't actually run your fastest doing that way so it, it, it sounds like kind of like that type of method where you're, you're kind of like you're you're maximizing your your uh, hard difficult with your lows to get like a, a baseline of productivity if that makes sense i don't know that's that's how yeah. i summarize it but I, I think people would understand you under, uh, saying it as well no i think so, I, I think you i think you're uh you you put it really well yeah. So then, um, what books would you recommend people check out? Oh yeah. So I'm a pretty old school innovator. So <laughs> I really, I never really adopted uh, eBooks. Uh, uh, so I read uh, like physical books. Yeah. Or like tangible ones. Um, so yeah, I brought some. I brought some of them with me. Um, so and we already. Uh, so since we we already touched a bit uh, on on it uh, uh, before the recorded part, I guess. Uh, so uh, when uh, when did uh, Facebook rebrand to Meta? Like uh, uh, one and a half year ago, or something? Yeah, something like that. I, yeah, I think it's dumb. But, so yeah, I was I was trying to to understand. Uh, 
like where did this uh, hype about uh, about uh, metaverse uh, came from does it like uh, because um, i haven't heard about any significant improvement in the in the vr technology over or this time so i was trying to kind of uh, uh, get to get to the origin of uh, of, of this hype and <clears throat> yeah also like there are some fundamental uh um, I believe that uh, uh, XR technology has a lot of potential. Um, uh, however, uh, for for the, the there are some fundamental limitations that uh, have to be overcome in in order for uh, the widespread adoption of of this technology. So, uh, like this metaverse thing, apparently. It presumes that we would like uh, spend half of our lives in VR or something. Uh, however, currently, like after the uh, 20 minutes of uh, like wearing a uh, wearing a VR uh, helmet, uh, like uh, people uh, get dizzy and uh, yeah, they uh, so this phenomenon is called uh, VR sickness. And uh, apparently, uh, apparently, uh, the uh, theory behind why this is happening is because uh, the um, uh, the sampling uh, frequencies of the uh, of the images and the uh, and the uh, audio are not in perfect sync with the. Uh, with our sensor, with with our uh, sensor modalities, hmm. and uh, yeah, so that's why after after twenty or like thirty minutes in in in, in VR, uh, people people get dizzy, um, and yeah, not much people. Uh, some people talking about it in academia, uh, but almost no one talks about uh, about it in the industry. Um, uh, I know only one person I think who uh, who is openly talking about it. Uh, it's uh, Jack McCauley, uh, who is uh, 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 one of the co-founders of uh, of Oculus and their uh, lead lead engineer. Yeah, he's in the defense department, right? He works on defense stuff now. I, th I think so. Yeah, uh, I know he's in the, yeah. the uh, but board. Of, is this a book? Yeah, yeah, but is this a book? Uh, so yeah, so uh, I wanted to I wanted to get to to the uh, origin of uh, uh, how it started, and uh, the term uh, metaverse was uh, first coined by uh, Neil Stephenson at uh, uh, Snow Crash. Snow Crash, yeah. I have Snow Crash right there. Awesome. You actually yeah, can see it kind of very small. So uh, yeah, absolutely fascinating book. Uh, so I'm a huge fan of uh, like uh uh sci-fi and uh like cyberpunk in uh, cyber cyberpunk in particular uh so like my favorite favorite uh orders are uh stanislav liam and uh william gibson i recommend yeah i read almost all their books and uh, yeah, i can totally recommend them so i wasn't familiar with the uh neil stevenson work before and uh yeah i was really impressed um i mean uh not like not only the 
the virtual world that he envisioned was interesting but maybe even the like real world was more interesting <laughs> than, than than virtual world and in, in this book mm-hmm. uh because he used i think uh, i think one of the technique uh he uses is uh reducto ad absurdum uh so like uh take something that already exists and uh, make it like uh maximize its absurdity kind of mm-hmm. so like for example even like the uh uh how like the uh italian uh, mafia and police and like military all became like for profits uh corporations kind of uh and uh, like how uh how there can be like mm, so the the geographic uh, uh borders kind of uh, uh of the countries were like kind of inverted and uh, uh there could be like an exclave of any kind of country in uh in any kind of different country some something like that uh yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's it's very cool but also like it's it's a mix of everything like with the uh with the like uh uh Mesopotamian culture and Christianity myths and uh, like uh, uh, linguistics and stuff uh, uh, pretty pretty much everything uh, uh, so yeah very fascinating uh, book that's right and uh, that'll be in the show notes as well I think um, that is unfortunately all the time we have I know we had other things we wanted to discuss today but we got to stick to a schedule so that you're able to do work for us today the, um, so I want to thank everybody for tuning in this whole time you know, subscribe comment let us know what you think and uh, and I want to thank you for coming on the show and taking time to talk about uh, Purple Gaze, everything you're working on, and you know getting people excited for the future. Awesome. Uh, thank you for having me.